welcome to the official Leverage Redemption After Show, a, a very distinctive, distinctive podcast. podcast. I'm Felicia Michelle. I'm Yael Teagle, and this is the Turkish prisoner job. What is a Turkish prisoner? I don't know, but let's see what they do and if they can break free. I am so excited. Oh. We are talking about the Turkish prisoner job. Uh, this episode was written by co-creator and consulting producer Chris Downey and directed by Beth Reesgraf. Yeah, go, Bethy. Oh, my oh, goodness. So sweet. And, and, as if that wasn't enough, this episode brought back Sarah, who we met in the golf job. Um, how are you feeling? You know how I'm I mean, feeling. I I was happy to see Sarah. I'm always happy to see someone come back and there's a continuation of their story because now we see Sarah is fighting on the right side of things. You know, she's, you know, been advised by Harry Harry Wilson about how oh, this is not the road you want to you know, trust me, you know, the whole thing. And she took his advice and we see her like really uh, fighting for, for people. I absolutely loved it. I love returning characters. I love continuity. I love when the story <laughs> keeps going. You know how much I love that. Chris, so, you gave you know, everything she needed. Yeah, everything, everything she I needed. needed more. <laughs> um, it was such a fun episode as well because... Not only do we have Sarah back, but we have um, some really great villains. We have our characters in ridiculous costumes. I mean, not ridiculous, but really like seeing uh, Sophie as Graziella <laughs> in that. Out- I was I'm in love with those outfits. I'm in love with her her um, cartel look. I mean, the whole all the. Yeah, I mean, she's pretty, <laughs> she's pretty badass. But all of that's all a part that what makes it such so believable is like the costumes and they get really into character you know our uh our our little little gangsters that we call them little gangsters last week <laughs> they uh they they're very convincing in their role so yeah um what did you think about this story i mean like the whole thing comes down to very simply these cops are being paid to remove people so they can steal their houses for developers like that's what I, it all comes down to it, it was crazy because at first you just go, oh, classic, like, just bad cops, like bad policing, mm-hmm. um, you know, just uh, planting evidence, you know, things. You're like, OK, yeah, I believe that because not only does it happen in a lot of our, you know, television and our, our shows, our content that we watch, but it happens in the real world. Um, so that was like, oh, here we go. But that those were twists and turns I didn't expect when I first started watching the episode. Yeah, I twists and turns. I didn't expect this to take us uh, not <laughs> you said only. You put it lightly. <laughs> Right, like we have uh, Elliot goes undercover. Well, first they go undercover as feds, and then they go undercover with him in jail, and then they go undercover um, at the. They go to the swamp, to the to the gift shop, to this whole. It just was so. They went to the cemetery. Like it was so many twists and turns. I didn't think this episode would go to half the places it went to. No, seriously. I mean, it's it's took you on a ride. I'll say that definitely <laughs> took you on a ride. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the amount of like con? conning that happened it's um it's like a uh, spy versus spy yes. you know it's, it's so it's it's fun to watch because our team they're so smart they're so uh just the physicality that's there they're the genius that's there um that you need a challenge you need you need that to make it interesting so i love when they're up against really big opponents uh, or people who are also 
at their level of where they were when they were grimy. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, it's like, it like takes one to know one type of deal. So I really like that. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed, uh, that Harry took the lead on this case and that he had to like learn the different cons and, and investigate and figure out which ones they wanted to play. And it really just came out so beautiful. You know, we've got the first con with the undercover feds and then we've got the second con with the with them walking them out of the j- jail and then the them chasing down the leads. Like everything about it was just so fun and exciting. And again, like the the we just needed these bad to take care of these bad cops. Look, you want to make detective, you got to play the game. Right. Our job is to clean up this neighborhood. Her speech to him was just like, this is the way it is. This is how I was taught. This is just how it goes. Don't feel bad because at some point these people probably did something they did wrong anyway. And that was, I was like, that's a huge assumption, ma'am, about <laughs> people that at some point in your life you did something wrong. Because there's a scale, right? There's a scale of like, there's a spectrum rather from like evil to like good, right? right. And so it's it's not just... You know, you stole a pack of gum, you did something bad, right? But you, like, I don't know, you beat up, like, a three third graders. That's worse than stealing a pack of gum. So, like, who's to say, and sorry if you're in a third grade, who's to say <laughs> if you're the authority on what someone deserves as punishment for what bad things they could have possibly done? Um, also, if her theory is that everybody's done something bad, she's done something bad. Well, you're, she's doing something bad right, right. now. <laughs> yes. She's horrible. Um, let's talk about the hot sauce. <laughs> this hot sauce uh, protests, the hot sauce explosive that happens in the courthouse. Um, I, you like hot sauce. I mean, you <laughs> because I'm black? No. Okay. No, I do, though. Because <laughs> I've eaten with you. <laughs> yes, you do. You have eaten with me. No, I do, but um, I've never thought of all the creative ways that hot sauce could be used to we- like as a weapon. Yes. Like, I've actually, like, rubbed my eye and, like, oh, crap, like that, but never did I think of to weaponize in the way that they have. It's Jesus. so funny because not only is it weaponized in this episode, <laughs> but it was also weaponized in the fracture job when Brianna makes pepper yeah. spray. She's like, you know, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then, you know, turkey baster it right yes. to the face. <laughs> Voila, pepper spray. She knows how to weaponize hot sauce. That's the, the takeaway from this season is that yes. Brianna can weaponize hot sauce. <laughs> there is not, a, that's not a safe condiment around her. No. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most uh, interesting parts of this episode for me, watching as a viewer, was the, the like alligator fight where the alligators attacked. That was funny. <laughs> how, I want to know how that happened. How did we do this, right? Because we're used to seeing uh, Elliot, you know, punching. We're not used to seeing Elliot get eaten by an alligator. I mean, just fighting with the gay. I, that takes a lot of strength. And all I kept thinking was, it was giving me, you know, R.I.P. Steve Irwin. You know, right? Because they're really oh. strong animals. They're re- they're really strong animals. Like they're not just like the teeth and stuff, but just the weight. The every good luck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite character in this episode is was well that's not true my favorite character in this episode was graziella but my favorite character my other favorite character who has my favorite line in this episode was renee who's the prosecutor and when the um the uh, hot sauce attack happens <laughs> she turns to sarah and she says well just don't stand there help me you're gonna make a great mom someday and i 
lost my that line was so funny. I just was like, what an awful thing to say to someone. Well, it's also just kind of shows that like where she thinks she is in the food chain mm. or really honestly, like quiet as cat, really where she is in the food chain, also where, where <laughs> she thinks about herself in that position. Right. Um, that was hilarious. I kind of laughed at that too. I was like, what does that have to do with mothering skills? Right. And I was like, well, I guess if there's an emergency helping other people, but you're an adult. Like not you might only, be old enough to be her mom. So maybe you should have been that. more motherly, ma'am. There's the literally in an airplane you are taught to put yes. the mask on yourself. Look, you have to you have to help yourself before you help other people. Yes, I think that the the really fun part at the end of this episode is that Brianna solved the case of the lost stash house, right? Like, a- allegedly, what we saw is that Ramiro gets yeah. he gets the money. You can't underestimate her. Mm-hmm. Like she constantly proves that like you cannot underestimate how intelligent she is and how resourceful she is and how much she really like I don't know. I was about there. She could maybe be want the leader one day. Yeah. Absolutely. And this episode shows also how resourceful Harry is. Right? Both of them they're newer newer to our team. And they have proven themselves again and again and again. And this episode, although he messes up and then starts to doubt himself, you know, he gets a little nudge from Sophie. I'm getting a little uh, thought here. The whole ship, the will they, won't they. I think the will they, won't they exist, but it's not in relation to like a romantic relationship with Sophie. It's a will he, will he or won't he fully step into this life and oh. be fully step into this this family of and fully do will he fully commit to that uh will he be able to is that what he's going to do or is he going to go back to being a lawyer because you know she's you know knows she knows him well enough to know um and so getting the responsibility to lead a job like it's the back and forth so the will they won't they think i don't i think it's more if he's going to come to the resolution that he wants to do that work the work that the team does for the remainder of his life or if he wants to go back and live a regular, schmegular, boring life. I think you're totally right. I think that this episode really showed that that's what's happening between the two of them because we have the the moment where she gives him her treasure chest of of cons, which I'm I'm annoyed that it took us over a hundred episodes to find out that this exists. I love it. Was it was giving me. I don't know if y'all are little. You watched. Um, Barney and there's like the Barney bag and all this random stuff would just come out of there. That's what I was thinking. I was like, she's like the Barney bag of cons, like just all all the things. Like a Mary Poppins bag. Yeah, Mary Poppins. Yeah, her yeah. too. Yes. Everybody's got that magic bag. A TARDIS bag for the Doctor Who fans. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really I think you're you're spot on with this, will they, won't they? Um, will he stay with them? Will he be Harry Wilson law criminal? Will that happen? It's hard because you kind of you you need good people like like that in those positions, but you also need, you know, our good, our bad, good, good, bad, our <laughs> yes, exactly. our redeemed, our you still need the, the the team and what they have to offer too. So I think I mean one of the no matter what he's better, he's better, and he he's always good with the paperwork, right? That's what that's where he, that's where he that's his secret power. You know? That he actually knows the law. He knows the law. (laughs) Right. I mean, if you look, not to bring it back to last season, but in the mastermind job, we have, you know, we have our friend, (laughs) fake Nate, who was, Mm. his superpower was putting people to sleep. And Harry's (laughs) is paperwork. (laughs) 
that's a great superpower to have in real life. Paperwork? Yeah, who wants to do that? That's your superpower. That's great because you're like, good at it. <laughs> good at it doesn't mean that you enjoy it. That is true. But Harry seems to enjoy this. Yes, he does. Yeah. Um, this episode was so fun. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Final thoughts that Harry needs to commit. Mm. He he, the one foot in, one foot out thing is kind of like. But I think he'll eventually get to this, the space where I, I mean, I hope that he does commit. I hope so too. I think you're right. Um, and we will find out more about what's going on with Harry when we come back. Y'all talk to Noah Wally about a familiar face in this episode. Check it out. I want to talk a little bit about the Turkish prisoner um, because this brings back Sarah, yeah, the mentee, yep, yep, um, yep. and we get to see Harry really uh, passing along his knowledge. It's always fun to bring back a character like they did with Hurley last year on the golf job, or uh, uh, others that have been brought back. And it was cool to see her again and to see that. When we last left her, she was a young paralegal student with, you know, stars in her eyes. Now she's, uh, you know, got her shingle out there and she's defending the downtrodden much in the way that she felt inspired to do so by her time with the Leverage crew. So um, super cool to get her back on the show. Yeah. And we get to also see Harry take charge of this uh, con and and figure out who he is. Harry Wilson, law criminal. Harry Wilson, law criminal, is this sort of new thing we're flirting with, this idea that you can be a uh, a good bad guy, bad good guy, guy that uh, flirts with the edges of, this, of, the, of the law, trying to bring justice. Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of cool. I hope we get a little bit more into that. I think it would be interesting. We didn't really spend a lot of screen time on Harry's home life this year. This was, in, in many ways, sort of Sophie-centric season. And we dealt with Harry and the ex-wife and the daughter last year. But I liked that things were stable with the daughter. Things were stable with the law practice that he'd pivoted his career. And I hope next year we could sort of shine a light on that area of uh, of him again and uh, work some of the cases through that. It'd be fun. Uh, I mean, if we're going to start talking about what we want to see next season. Yeah. yeah, come on. Well, I, I would like to see Harry's daughter return. I would like that, too. For many, many reasons. <laughs> and my daughter would like to see that happen, too. As my daughter plays my daughter on the show, my daughter, Auden. <laughs> uh, I would have loved to have seen her come back. I'm sorry it didn't work out. It was no fault of anybody's other than you have the intention, you have the intention. But these storylines, you know, if, if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. So it needs to fit to, to make it work. We hear a little bit about her throughout the season that she's texting, she's calling, barely. she exists. Yeah. Um, Hang on, I'm just hanging out with my daughter. Anyway, what were you saying? Right. Reminder, <laughs> well, I, I gotta go. I got a date with my daughter. Take care. Um, it would have been father. so nice to see her. I'll tell you, you said so. I am sitting down with Chris Downey, who wrote the Turkish Prisoner Job. Let's talk about this episode. Let's um, do it. I'm so excited. This episode brings back Sarah from season one. Yes. Tell me about bringing her back. She was so great in the golf job, uh, which I wrote. Um, and it was kind of a no-brainer. Like, I kind of feel like these two episodes, there's a a bookend quality to them because they're, you know, all about Harry's journey, and I think it really factored in that he had a mentee in uh, Sarah that we met in, uh, I guess it was episode 11, maybe, last season, 
Uh, it just felt like the right thing to like revisit her and see where she's where she's been and how that you know reflects Harry and his journey. It's so interesting because uh, like the golf job, that was the one where he kind of took charge. Yes, and and again this time he had to take charge, and we got to see how much he's grown. Yep. Um, I absolutely love that, and I love bringing her back in. And this story is so fun. It's so fun. Uh, we get thrown out quite a few um, con names, yeah. and I have to know if these are real. I wrote these down. We've got <laughs> the, the bear trap, the Tennessee toothache, shock value, <laughs> and the Turkish prisoner, and, and the legend of the stash houses. Are any of these real? Yes. I can tell you that the uh, Turkish prisoner is real. Uh, in 1917, in World War One, as Sophie explains, these two prisoners of war, British prisoners of war, Jones and Hill, uh, concocted a, a brilliant way to escape from uh, this this POW camp. They didn't tunnel. They uh, started. Uh, they created a Ouija board out of stuff that they found, and they convinced their Turkish jailers that they could commune with the dead, and that in communing with the dead, they could lead these. Uh, you know, the commandant and his people to hidden gold. And instead of having to, you know, climb over barbed wire or tunnel out of the prison, they just walked right out the front gates. And it's a true story. Uh, It's something we've been wanting to play around with for a long time. So this just felt like a great opportunity to do it. Amazing. But the other the other stories, the 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 bear trap and the Tennessee toothache are not real. No, they're not real. Oh, I was so excited to find out what those were. (laughs) Nor is the stash house, although it sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, for all we know, there there are definitely stash houses. There are definitely stash houses, I think, that have not been discovered. So, you know, have (laughs) at it, folks. Um, It's so funny. I feel like throughout the series we get. We get told that there are only so many cons and you just have to do the con with a twist. Uh, and this one we did uh, the Turkish prisoner with gators. But um, I, how many cons are there really? And do you know all of them? Well, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, there's like the wire. Um, there's the big store. I mean, there are cons that we've we've seen before. But one of the things that I thought was important this episode was Sophie explaining sort of in a general term what a con is. And a, and a con is any, as she says, any artificial set of circumstances designed to elicit a response from somebody. So in when you look at it from that perspective, almost anything can be a con, right? Yeah. So I think that, it, you know, what she was trying to, you know, impart to Harry was, you know, don't feel constrained by the fact that you don't know every classic con or this is not something you grew up in. You're a lawyer. You're learning that there is just a, a you know, it's a there's a blank canvas out there for you to, to put your own mark on. I actually really love that scene and the way that she says that, because it's true that he he comes at it. She says that that uh, it is an artist's lens and her, his lens is through the law and through studying. Right. And that's such a beautiful way to look at it. And I love that we're, you know, we're so far into the show. And now we're like, let's go back to basics. Let's explain how this works. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Uh, Tell me about the decision to really bring this up this deep into the show. Well, I love the relationship between, you know, Sophie and Harry, because here are two people that have incredible expertise in what they do. Um, but, you know, Harry is like always a little bit behind. Right. And and I love that she has this kind of mentor relationship with him where she feels like she can, you know, impart this wisdom. And sometimes in this episode, it's through a little bit of tough love. 
But, you know, she really believes in him. Um, so, you know, again, like there was some scenes of that in The Golf Job. And I liked sort of seeing like how they progressed since that time and how far he's come. Yeah, I I love that she has this mentor relationship with him. But, you know, in the original series, she mentored Parker. Yes. And so it it feels like this group, although they're a family, they're always trying to, like, teach each other and help each other. Yeah. That's so... Oh, I love these characters so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I, do too. And I think you've seen, you know, how well they've grown. You know, like if you see Parker at the beginning of the series, you know, she was not so <laughs> so great in the con. There was no stabbing uh, Wednesdays right. for a reason. And now you see, like, she can step in as a under, you know, as a um, a cop or an FBI agent. Like, she can she can take on roles. And you know, you see Elliot too. He's very sophisticated in how he could move in these different roles. Yeah, we get to see um, this really amazing uh, fight from him in the prison. Uh, and you, I read the script. You wrote it out how you wanted this fight to go yep. down. Um, I know that sometimes the script will say Elliot fights and then Christian gets to figure it out. But you had a very specific idea in mind with the specific weapons as well. Yeah. Well, I I kind of feel like, you know, one of the things with fights is it's an opportunity. Every scene is an opportunity to reveal character. Mm. Right. And I think fights are no different. Um, so it's, I always felt like it's very important to script out all the beats of the fight, just like you would, a, you know, a scene of two people talking, right? Or a love scene, what, whatever it is, you know, I think it's important to like say what, you know, what's happening and how it reveals, uh, something that you don't know about one of your heroes. So, uh, yeah. And, and I was just blown away by how well everybody executed that fight. It was pretty great. Yeah, it was really amazing. Um, And I was like, somebody's going to get cut. Somebody's going to get cut. Um, Did anybody get cut while shooting? No, they were all, you know, totally professional. I mean, Christian is unbelievable at the stuff. Like he, you know, fighting is choreography, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like Gene Kelly, right? He's like a Fred Astaire. He's a great dancer. And you put something in the script and he will find a way to execute it, you know, perfectly. Now I really want an episode where Elliot is, like, infiltrating a dance group. <laughs> you know what I mean? Good. We'll see. <laughs> Season three. It's not all hair flips and punches here. There are so many things that go into the stunts, and Christian Kane can definitely tell us about it. So let's check out the stunts of Leverage Redemption. What? Stunts on this show tends to be kind of hit or, you know, we don't do a lot of them, but when we do do them, sometimes they can be dangerous. And we did this one thing in the first episode I directed, which was about a building collapse, where in order to show the real scale of the destruction, uh, I had this idea that we would drop this like four ton pallet full of construction materials, two, three stories down onto a minivan while our actor in real time was running out past it. And uh, that was daunting to pull off, but we really, it, it worked really, really great. <laughs> to do that, you have to work extremely intimately with the stunt department because you're going to do it one time, and you're going to shoot it with several cameras, and everybody that's around that area has to be a stunt player, and they have to understand the timing and the choreography. 
or people could get hurt. Now that's like that kind of stunt. The other kind of stunt is telling Christian Kane, here's what I need, buddy, and letting this unbelievable action actor, maybe one of the best in the world, do what he does best, which is choreography, setting camera angles to sell the choreography, being creative and coming up with new ways for the character to engage physically, showing his age, showing the passage of time, and still doing the, the storytelling. It's, it's phenomenal to watch him work. When I first started the show, choreographing a fight was, 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 a, was a lot of work. I had to think about it. I had to see what I wanted to do, um, where we needed to take it. And now it's become, I've, I've, you know, Dean Devlin's directing, Beth Reescraft's directing, Noah Wiley's directing, Mark Roskin's directing. All these people I've worked with for numerous episodes. And they just trust me with it. So instead of going in and mapping out a whole fight that usually gets cut down anyway, I now wait and go in and say, where, where are we fighting? Where do you need me at the end? And then I just kind of come up with it on the, on the, on the day. I mean, there, there's a little bit of rehearsal. Most of the time there's not. I say, how many guys are there? He'll say three. I'll say, where do you want me at the end? He's like over here and I say, okay, let's move this way. And uh, it's, it's really, you know, I'm not the best in the world at it, but I'm pretty damn good. And they trust me enough to know that I can get this done for them on the day. And, uh, and that's, been the, that's been the most rewarding thing about doing my own stunts and, 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 and choreographing fights. The stunts are always a fun part of the Leverage show, and Leverage Redemption is absolutely no different. Uh, Christian Kane, of course, I got way too many texts at 2 a.m. from him showing off that he was fighting with the stuntman yet again. Uh, he always causes me a lot of attitude because he does every stunt that the lawyers will let him do, and sometimes more than the lawyers let him do. Uh, and the fights are absolutely stepped up. He's got more experience, and also the audience is expecting a different kind of fight from 10 years ago, so we're shooting them differently. Uh, two cameras, B-Mark. C-Mark. C-Mark. Here we go. Ready and action. His fights are, they're very precise. You know, there's not a lot of off the top rope or he doesn't do a lot of kicks. It's close quarters. Uh, we tried to keep it very much as ex-military, special forces, operator, um, a lot of Kali. I was a wrestler growing up, so, you know, we keep it, you know, if I can, if I can get my hands on someone, that's pretty much it uh, type of style of fighting. And, and that's what we're sticking to. And it, the one thing about this show is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We found that out. And the fighting on this show is never broken. My girl Gail got to talk to Miss Gina Bellman from all the way over the pond. Check it out. I want to talk about the Graziella costumes uh, in the Turkish prisoner job because I was losing my mind how gorgeous you looked in those outfits. Um, tell me about wearing those costumes. You know, this year I was very, very specific. You know, when I when the show started and I said to Nadine, no more black. You know, last year we were wearing all the kind of widow stuff but um we try to make it interesting with interesting shoulders and interesting like silhouettes and things and this year i was like i want pattern i want color i want drama 
Sophie's like loving life. It's spring um, for her. Um, and then when Graziella came along, you know, we had lots of options. Obviously, that's a very broad character and we could have gone um, like way over the top. But I, I found this this picture on on um, on Instagram. It, it's really weird. I'm one of those people that like when I shop for myself, I can stand in a store and just go completely blank. <laughs> Um, I don't know what suits me. I don't know like what's appropriate to wear to what occasion. I'm I'm not like confident in like shopping for myself. I, I hang on to the bags and receipts and because I think I'm gonna have to like return it to the store. But when I walk into a store like with a Sophie costume in mind, I'm like laser precision. I know exactly in my head like what she's going to wear as what character in what scene for whatever the emotional kind of arc is or whatever the comedy is. And Graziella was um, one of those um, characters. I just knew that she, I wanted to be wearing um, like, you know, combats, but, um, and bustiers. And uh, I wanted to make her um, like, like almost like a little, like a Latina uh, rock star, you know, and, and it was very, very like, clear in my mind and then obviously Nadine and I have um such a uh, cohesive relationship that we just like about I'll just say one thing like I'll say bustier combats and then she's like I got the chains I got the jewelry I got the leather jacket and we just like we just work off each other but it's this really strange thing that I can't describe and sometimes I walk into a store and I think as Gina, I walk in and I go, what would Sophie wear? <laughs> if that's going to like help me choose like what I need to buy for an occasion. But I just, I don't have that same precision as myself. That's so interesting. I, I want to go shopping with you now and see what that looks like. Like I'd have to, if I was shopping for you, I'd have to like turn you into a character and then I wouldn't be able to like shop the aisle. But if you were like, okay, next week I'm going to be this person. I'd be like, okay, I can shop for her. <laughs> If she's fictional, I can shop for her. All right, that's it. I'm flying over. I'm coming. We're going to go shopping. I'm very excited about this. Um, I mean, right. I'm talking of our costumers, actually. I'm wearing this necklace today that um, our assistant costumer, Ken, gave me as a wrap gift. And um, and it was uh, one of the things that we uh, picked out for Graziella but didn't end up wearing but it's a um, it's a saint, and this one is the patron saint of acting. Oh, yeah! So, so I'm wearing uh, my wrap gift from the costume department. It's the patron saint of acting. I love that. That's so cool. You guys are yeah. such a cute family. We know that you have so many questions, and we've been asking them on your behalf all season long. So let's go check out what you wanted to know and what secrets the cast told us about. Um, you know, it's funny, we talked about how close you guys are as a cast, so everyone kind of like affectionately looks at you like a little sister and really has brought you in. So one of the questions the fans wanted to know was who is the hardest person to stay in character with when you're in a scene? Like who just makes you break character or crack up? Noah Wiley and Christian Kane. They, when those two are together, it is very hard to... <laughs> stay in the middle i mean it's the look no okay let me tell you something about noah wiley noah wiley has an infinite knowledge of how to keep something going through a whole episode a whole scene noah will use one pen in a pilot and then wrap up this epic story with this pen or whatever by the by the end of what we're doing he's an incredibly smart actor and sometimes his bits are so 
funny and slapstick. And then Christian Kane, when he growls and gets and gets grumpy, is you just stop in the sea, you stop acting, and you start watching because the man is a comedic genius. It, for me, it's a challenge. I love when people break. and I, it's, For me, it's a challenge to just stay stone-faced, to stay in it. You cannot, will not, shall not break me. I've only broken a few times in my career. <coughs> but, uh, yeah, it would be, it's, it's Beth. <laughs> it's always Beth. <laughs> That's easy. Should we just say it on three? Yeah, one, two, three. Beth. Beth. Yeah. Because she's like Jimmy Fallon. Like, I worked with Jimmy, and Jimmy laughs. As soon as it's not on you, he just starts laughing, and it's like, you know, and he just laughs. I mean, you guys have all seen him on Saturday Night Live. You can't help it. And Beth's like that. If you crack her, she's done for the day. If she starts laughing, it's over. But also, if we all make mistakes, like, if, if he makes a mistake, he gets really mad at himself. And if I get, and he starts, like, getting all kind of, like, damn it, Elliot about it. And if I make a mistake, I get kind of, like, really internalized, like, what's wrong with me? I'm not on my game today. If Beth makes a mistake, she just starts cracking up. And she yeah. just starts laughing so hard. And then she'll it's do it again, and she'll do it again, so it's like, and she'll oh. do it again, and she'll do it again. And once she starts, then she just becomes hysterical, and we all become hysterical, yeah. and we need to like take a moment. Well, everybody makes me laugh. It's a really funny cast. And when you're in a scene and everybody's trying to give it a little bit of a comedic button, the buttons are flying from every direction because everybody has a, an irreverent sense of humor. But I really like brave and bold choices and um beth makes some of the biggest and the boldest elise also so i would say that the two of them when i see them kind of just going for it make can, can i have to watch myself otherwise i'll bust up i still got to give it to beth i wouldn't say she geeks out but i would say that beth is the one like as far as outtakes people cracking up making jokes all that kind of stuff she's usually responsible She's usually the one who's going to break us on set where we bust out laughing and do some, some wildness. Well, it's hard to say because Christian and I always get the giggles, but then it's true with everybody, to be honest. They say it's my fault, which, I, what did they say? Everybody said you. <laughs> we kind of blame each other. Yeah, they always say it's me. I don't know why. I, I mean, listen. Let's talk a little bit about the Turkish prisoner job. Um, this episode was directed by Beth. It is the second episode of the season that she got to direct. Um, talk to me about her evolution as a director. I, I always believe that actors transitioning to directing is a natural thing. But in Beth's case, it's even more so because before she was an actor, before she was a model, she was a photographer. And so she has a cinematic eye. And... For the longest time, she's been working on becoming a director. She's directed short films. She's, you know, she, when we were doing The Librarians, she flew up to Portland and shadowed me for an episode just to kind of watch the whole process. So in her case, it, it, it was long in coming. And I had this great sense that she was going to do well at it. And of course, in season one, she knocked it out of the park. So there was just no question that she was going to direct again. You know, sometimes when you have a young director, you want to be there all the time to make sure that they don't screw up. And that, But Beth's really, you know, uh, she's accomplished as a director. And, of course, she knows the show so well. You know, uh, uh, it, it's very hard to direct leverage um, for anyone. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, we've had Emmy Award winning directors get try to guest direct on our show and fail miserably. And the reason is, is, you know, we burn two cons per episode. We have 
five or six main lead characters that have to be serviced. We have a bad guy that has to be serviced. We have a victim that has to be serviced. And then we have to hit the tone right. And it's a very strange tone because, you know, we're, we're dealing with such intense subject matter and we're doing comedy. So it's it's very hard to hit that. But I think because Beth has had to do it as an actor for so long, she really just in her heart gets the sweet spot of when we can be funny and when we have to nail uh, the melodrama. Yeah, I think that a lot of times we see our victim at the beginning and then we see them again at the end. And, and th- it feels like this season more and more the, the victim is part of the con, is participating. Yeah, we've, tri- we've tried to integrate them a little bit more, keep that story alive. Um, again, because I think one of the differences of the new leverage versus the original is that in the original, you could just get the evidence and give it to the police and good things happen. Right. In the new reality, uh, it's much harder to bring these people down. And so uh, uh, what those victories represents are more complicated. Yeah. I mean, especially this episode where the police are the bad guys. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and that's a tricky thing to do because, uh, uh, you know, they're not they're not anti-police as they've worked with the police before. Right. But they're anti-corruption. So when there's corrupt police that, you know, they're as good a target for them to take down as anyone. Yeah. Um, and we bring back a character in this episode. We bring back Sarah, who is in the golf job. Right. Um, I want to know about the decision to bring back Sarah, but also why Hurley was not also brought back. <laughs> uh, well, we actually had a whole episode that we were going to do for Hurley and then we couldn't do it at the last minute. So we weren't able to get him back, but we desperately want to bring Hurley back. But I think the thing is with her character um, is that Harry's a very different guy this year. And I think that by bringing her into it, his his ability to want to service her problem is a way for us to illustrate his growth. You know, it, in, in season one, Harry's constantly trying to find his place. In season two, he he's feeling pretty confident in his role. You know, it, it, there's actually... Um, there's an episode where he has a fight scene where he actually gets really cocky, <laughs> you know. So it, it, it's fun to see that evolution, but sometimes you need something to measure it against. And I think by bringing that character back, we were able to see how far he's come. Yeah, and we get this discussion about him being... Harry Wilson Law Criminal. <laughs> I like that. Which is such an interesting concept. Tell me about this this whole conversation of who he is and, and finding his footing as a, a criminal who is also a lawyer. Well, we thought about, you know, how has he been operating when he's away from the team? I mean, obviously, he, he had time away from the team before he came back for season two. And we knew that everything he learned wasn't just going to vanish. And we knew that while he now had this new commitment to the law and new, new commitment to, to using the law for the right reasons and for the right people, he wasn't going to forget the lessons he learned, you know. So... Uh, whether it's whether it was before or where he's headed, but we see him as Harry Wilson, law criminal. <laughs> yes, he 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 will be using the law, but he's he's still a criminal. <laughs> awesome, I love that. I think that's perfect for him. It's the best title, and I want it on a T-shirt for him. <laughs> there is still so much more cool stuff. Don't go anywhere. You're gonna love this. Let's talk about the the venti hot sauce attack. And really, this whole hot sauce uh, fiasco. What is your deal with? You don't like hot sauce? I love hot sauce. Um, I'm trying to think the evolution of the script. I have to give credit uh, for that to Kate Rorick, uh, our co-showrunner with Dean. 
uh, who I think it was originally some foul smelling thing. Mm. It was like it was I think in one of the original versions of the script, it was something related to the oil and gas industry. But we sort of did that already. Right. So I believe it was Kate who said, what if it's a hot sauce factory? (laughs) And then uh, that was just like, well, this is perfect because we just needed something that would like clear people out, something that would make the the people outraged enough to come and protest. But if you released it, would drive everyone out of the building for the jailbreak. And I think like all of the crew, production staff did an amazing job. I loved all the signs. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like I love Tabasco. No, there was all <laughs> kinds of like crazy signs from people about how they don't want a hot sauce factory near them. Apparently, there is a big hot sauce factory in New Orleans. I guess Kate went on a tour of it, and <laughs> I thought that was great. That's amazing. Um, there's a part. It was a line. It wasn't in the script, but it it was in the episode where um, Renee says to Sarah, "Don't just stand there. Help me. You're going to make a great mom someday." <laughs> That, I think that was an ad lib. I I don't re- I don't I don't remember that from the script, but I thought it was great. Um, it's I think my favorite line <laughs> okay. where she tells. I can, I can take no credit for that. <laughs> well, all right. So I'm giving that credit to the actress because that line was just so hilarious. Um, it was great. Too. It's so mean. <laughs> um, we also have you know this season we've been exploring Sophie's backstory and we get a little bit more with this trunk yes um and the history of the trunk also tell me about the choice to to give her such a important person's trunk this trunk belonged to victor lustig do you know who that is Uh, the man who tried to sell the eiffel tower (laughs) it's one of the greatest grifters who ever lived i think it's clear that if you're a you know, a grifter or a thief, that there is uh, knowledge that you've acquired throughout your life. And it makes sense that there would be a physical representation of that. Um, so it was, it was you know, when she was trying to convey uh, to Harry, what would you do if you had a bad day in court? He was like, well, I'd hit the law library. It sort of makes sense that she would have her own grifter library, too, which we've never seen before. Uh, I also love Brianna's reaction. She's like, you you know you've been sitting on this right secret trove of uh you know heists and grifts and you never told us you know i it just made sense that 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 would be something she would have and it was a nice way to connect her to her mentor who you know will play out later on the season right i honestly i was with brianna on this because i too was upset that this had never been brought out before also I'm going to hold on to that grudge and I expect to see it again. <laughs> right? Like this this is important and has all the information is could be so helpful in the future. Absolutely. We should we should go back to the trunk. I will say that the the uh, hieroglyphs I went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York in the uh Egyptian wing and I saw uh, a hieroglyph of warning people about crocodiles and I called Beth and I said you know, directed the episode. And I said, we got to use this because it'll <laughs> just be just seem like something that that it just plays out in the scene. And then it'll be significant at the end with the alligators. <laughs> um, I love the use of the gators. I it it made me laugh because we talked to Beth uh, on set and she told us about how there was a gator that lives on the golf course. And so I was like, of course, we're going to now have gators in the episode. Yeah. No, it's it's long overdue. It's New, <laughs> it's New Orleans. It sort of felt like we needed to have gators involved in a con at some point. Yeah. I expect to see more gators in the future. <laughs> 
I did feel kind of bad because I'm sitting in the comfort of my own home and they're down in New Orleans shooting <laughs> in a literal swamp with literal gators. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, my bad. <laughs> so you weren't on set. When I was not on this. set for this. No. Oh, interesting. They did an amazing job. I, and, and as you pointed out, uh, it was the golf course. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of have control over for shooting that played the swamp. It played the gift shop. Yep. Uh, I think it played parts of the uh, courthouse. I mean, it's really been an amazing location for us. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize all... I mean, I I recognized the gift shop, but I didn't realize that everything else. Some some other... I know there were some things related. I, I might be wrong, but some things related to the courthouse. I think some of the hallways were also uh, from the golf course. And where did you shoot the... Or do you know where they shot the um, protests? Protest was outside a, a, an actual courthouse oh. that they've scouted down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was like from the beginning. I knew that we had access to a courthouse, and legal stuff is sort of things that I like to write about. <laughs> so I knew that we would be a good place to use. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this and the golf job has a lot of legal in yes. it. Yes, um, and our beloved Sarah, who I love this character, and I love that we brought her back. Do you think that she will continue to be part of our? Our friends that we use and call sometimes? I hope so. I mean, you know, we've one great thing about the show is we do revisit people that have helped us in cons. Obviously, Hurley a number of times, uh, you know, Will Wheaton playing Chaos. So I, I, you know, as you know, this this year we between the two shows, the original Leverage and Leverage Redemption, we crossed the hundred episode mark, which is very significant. I hope we continue to kind of bring back characters that we've seen before and just grow the world. Oh, me too. I have a whole wish list of characters I want to see. Yeah. Is there anything about this episode that we might not know that you wanted to tease us or tell us about? I was very excited in this episode to work with Melanie Hutzel, who I've known for over 20 years. I thought she was fantastic. She played Renee, the yeah. uh, district attorney. She had the line. She was. She had the line, and she's brilliantly funny. Matter of fact, I'm I'd be willing to bet she ad-libbed that line. <laughs> she's so funny. Um, uh, I thought she was great. She's she's actually from Tennessee. I think that you know uh, sort of adds for the authenticity for the for uh, the role. Um, uh, you know, everyone was just terrific. I thought Alana uh, and Derek were uh, as our villains were great. Were a great pair. Um, uh, and, and I, you know, shout out to Sophie as Graziella in full kind of Queen of the South mode. Yes. She was terrific. Um, another great character, another great, um, you know, just in, in, she just inhabits these villains so well. Yeah. And the costuming for Graziella was so amazing. Fantastic. I, oh, I was losing my mind over them. Yeah. I loved it. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in and for telling us all about this episode. Oh, thanks for having me. Always. Just like our crew, the fans of Love Redemption are so talented, so check out some of the fan art that we received this season. The official Leverage Redemption After Show is part of the Electric Surge Network on Electric Now. We recommend checking out some of our other original content, like Inglorious Trexperts, and even more official after shows for electric entertainment properties. Thanks so much for watching. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at After Leverage. And of course, we will be back next week to talk about the pyramid job. And we're going to have the director of the episode, Noah Wiley, join us to give us all the secrets. Until next time, I'm Yel Teagle. I'm Felicia Michelle. And, and this, this has been, been a very distinctive, distinctive podcast. podcast.